I'll be honest, I don't really want to be here. I mean, who really wants to go to the doctor? I mean, the only time you go to the doctor is when you're sick or all busted up, right? I remember one time I'm a kid, like five years old or so, we lived in Minneapolis, and I'm running up the stairs really fast, and I slip, go down real hard, busted up my chin right here. Raise your hand if you have uh, like a scar right here. It's probably like 90% of us. So I'm, I'm bleeding all over the place, crying. We get in the car, off we go to a room a lot like this one, where you know the doctor comes in and they numb you, put in a few stitches, send you home again. So. A few days later, my sister and I were goofing around under the dinner table after dinner in the kitchen. Somehow I managed to bash my chin again, pop that thing wide open. My dad was not happy, back in the car, off to the hospital. I remember my sister, she was like very happy to come along because she thinks she's going to get out of having to eat her lima beans at the dinner table. Oh, I'll go along and I'll help Benny. Sure. She pops up from the table, but my dad or my mom or whatever, they said, they said, well, that's fine, but you're taking your lima beans with you and you're eating them on the way. So they put them in a cup and I'm crying and she's crying. Two kids now bawling in the back seat all the way to the hospital. I bet I'm not the only one who doesn't always have the best memories of a place like this. Like, I mean, when's the last time you were in, in one of these things, these beautiful, fashionable gowns with the gaping back door? Trust me, you don't want to be walking behind me when I got this thing on. It kind of leaves you hanging out and flapping around back there, all exposed and vulnerable the way you feel when you go to a doctor. But you know, the truth is this, everybody ends up in a place like this sooner or later, don't you? Because we all get hurt. We all get sick. There's something wrong. Or you think you're all right, but you go to the doctor and they tell you there is something wrong. They start poking around on you. They, they grab one of these and they're, they're listening in and, and figuring out what's the matter. Or, or they're looking in your ears and they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on in there in your head anyway, looking all around and they examine us and that's what a doctor does, taking your blood pressure, trying to find, you know, what, where the pressure is coming from and, and trying to get your reaction to things. And hey, did you hear about the guy who walks into the doctor's office? He's got like a cucumber up his nose. He's got a carrot in his left ear and a banana in his other ear. And he says, Doc, what's the matter with me? And the doctor looks at him and says, it looks like you're not eating properly. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a good one. Here, here's one for you. So this lady says to her doctor, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just hurt all over. If I so much as touch my shoulder, it hurts. If I just touch my head, it, it hurts. If I, if I just even touch my belly, it hurts. And the doctor thinks about it. And he says, I think what you have is a broken finger. <laughs> so I make myself laugh sometimes. Hey, listen. Let me ask you a very serious question. Where does it hurt? I mean, in your life. Let's be honest. We all hurt. Because life is hard. Stuff happens. This planet can be a tough neighborhood to grow up in. And one thing that every one of us has in common is that we're all broken. I mean, we know what it's like to be wounded, to be hurt because failure, because betrayal, because abandonment. All that stuff can, can damage your heart and you can look fit as a fiddle on the outside. 
But the truth is, a lot of us are carrying around hurt that's way down in our hearts. I've got some friends that are moving away right now, and it hurts. It's down inside of there. If you had one of these that could see it or hear it, it'd be there. And some of us have other stuff, like, I guess just sins or choices we made in the past or stuff that was done to us. And if you could look inside our brains, our minds from the outside, you'd see all kinds of stuff, guilt and lurking regret and all that stuff. Do you got some stuff like that in your mind? I do. Weird stuff. It's locked up there and it, it's part of the hurt and part of the brokenness. And some of us feel all kinds of pressure. You know, life is hard. There's so much stress on us and worry and Something is going to happen and fear and all this stuff going on, pressure all the time. I've got a friend who's wrestling with a divorce that she's going through right now. I got, I got another one who, who feels like her kids are making decisions that are just breaking her heart and she feels like it's her fault and she's worrying about them all the time. Another friend went through another breakup and she's starting to wonder, you know, is it, am I the problem here? Is it, am I damaged goods, you know? Another wrote to me to tell me about his life and he described his life as a long trail of tears and missteps because of the stupid things and painful things that I've done, drugs and deceit, loneliness and fear. We've all got those painful experiences that leave scars, just like my chin. And sometimes the old ones, they split open again, don't they? Whether it's a broken relationship, a broken family, broken home, broken trust, I don't know where it hurts for you, but I know this, that we're all broken. I love that quote by Alexander McLaren. It says, Please be kind to everyone you meet, for they are fighting a great battle. They are carrying a great burden. Where does it hurt, I wonder? You know, one day Jesus went to a guy uh, named Matthew, and he said, Matthew, I want you to follow me. I want you to be with me. I want you to, to hang out with me and be a disciple of mine. I have something great for you. And you know what? Matthew started hanging out with Jesus and following him. And all the religious people raised their eyebrows like, what? Because Matthew was a tax collector. And in their eyes, that was about as bad as you could get. He was a scumbag in their eyes, a lowlifer, a real sinner. And they about lost it when, when Jesus goes to Matthew's house for this big party and all of his friends are there. All of his lowlifer, scumbag friends, people with problems and nasty habits and unclean people, the kind you're not supposed to be around. And there is Jesus right in the middle, eating, laughing, mixing it up, drinking, carrying on with them, spending time with them. He's friends with them. And the religious leaders, they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, why are you hanging around sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and druggies and lowlifers and people like that who are broken? And you know what Jesus said? He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You know, so many of us try to hide our junk, our pain, our, our mess from Jesus all the time. I think we think he's going to point at us or laugh at us, scold us or ridicule us for not doing better. But listen, Jesus knows we're sinners. He knows we're hurting. He knows life is hard. He lived it. So when you're standing in front of Jesus, don't hide your mess. Hand it to him. You don't hide your symptoms and problems. You hand it to him. You don't hide your junk. You don't hide your pain. You say, Jesus, heal me. Help me. Hand it to him. That's who we are at Mountain. We're people who know that Jesus is for us. We're broken people. Helping broken people find healing and wholeness in Christ. This is us. 
You know, a lot of people, they don't know that about the church, not about Mountain or any church. They stay away because they, they don't like it because they think church is judgmental or, you know, that Jesus is going to point his finger and be mean or they say that the church has a bunch of hypocrites. But, you know, a real church isn't a place where there's hypocrites because a hypocrite is when you're pretending to be something you're not. You, you, you're saying, I'm well, I'm healthy, I'm perfect, when in fact you're not, but a church, a real church with Jesus in it is a church where you say, no, no, we're wounded and we're not afraid to admit it. Listen, my friends, God is a God for the broken. I love Psalm 34. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When your spirit is crushed, God says, I'm there. So whether it's your finances that are crushing you and your spirit or your job or doubts you might have or someone who's gone out of your life or maybe your health has changed, fire has gone out of a relationship, I don't know. I know this though, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And this is what we see in the whole ministry of Jesus. It was marked by that kind of care and concern and healing. One time Matthew says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because he says they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That means that Jesus sees you. You're never suffering alone. He sees and he has compassion. And he says, I can be your shepherd, a shepherd who will guide you, take care of you. One day, Jesus goes into this village, and there was this huge crowd that was going with him. And as he enters the village, coming out of the village is this huge funeral procession with all these people there. And what had happened is a young man had died. It turns out it was a widow's only son. And Jesus sees this. He sees the funeral procession and the fresh death right in front of him. And this widow, obviously already a woman who was broken, and new pain, and now her son, her financial security, her future, her camaraderie. And the Bible says a couple of interesting things. First, notice what Jesus does. The Bible says he had compassion on the woman. He says, don't cry. His heart went out to the woman. In fact, the word that describes how much Jesus cared there, you've heard me use sometimes around here before. It's a word translated from the word splachna. Jesus had compassion is the word splachna. It even sounds kind of deep and visceral, like someone throwing up, like blah, just splachna. And what it means is exactly that, like it's a gut level viscera, something you feel way down deep in your bowels, in your intestines, like when your heart or guts are kind of ripped about something. You're hurt and Jesus saw that woman and that dead boy in that tiny coffin no husband by her side, empty eyes, and it's more than he can stand. I love the Bible gives us a snapshot like that, my friends, because that is something hugely important we must never forget, because that splachna in Jesus reveals the very heart of God himself. If you're hurting, whatever the pain, whatever the cause, whatever the situation, Jesus feels it and he cares. And then notice not just what he felt, but what Jesus did. He goes up and he touches the body. And listen, now that was a big deal in those days because Jesus 
crossed a boundary when he touched that dead boy. They had about 500 laws about ritual purity, and some of them clearly said, don't touch dead bodies because they believe it would ruin your own cleanness and purity. That dead body was unclean. And so Jesus' heart was bigger than the laws and the rules. And so his heart went out, and so did his hand, and he crossed a boundary. He wasn't afraid when he touched that dead son to get his hands dirty, literally. And, and then they heard that boy go, and he was inhaling and breathing, and his eyes pop open. I mean, it sounds like a little bit like something out of a horror flick, except this isn't a zombie. It's her son, and he's back. Her only real hope, and he was alive again. And I think that woman came to life again too, right? Jesus gave her back not just her son, but her, her hope. Is that's what Jesus does. And that's what Jesus is doing today. He still cares. He still reaches and touches and gets his hands dirty in the brokenness and the mess of our world. It's what he wants to do in your life and mine. It's what he's done in the life of so many people in this church. He's a healer. He's a hope bringer, a life giver. And he's still resurrecting broken people more than ever, not just back in the day, but today in this church. And he does it all the time. Maybe you're one of the people listening to me today who needs that kind of Jesus in your life. You're like that woman who's lost your hope. And you can find your hope in Jesus. Maybe you're like that boy because you feel dead. Your emotions maybe are dead just flat you're from a struggle that has just worn you out. Or you're so sick of trying to stop acting a certain way or, or an addiction that just makes you feel dead or your marriage feels dead or your career is on life support or, or your self-esteem is really in a dead spot or a relationship that means a lot to you has been killed off or stressed. What I don't know, my friends, but I know this. I know Jesus can raise the dead and not just in Bible times and not just the physically dead, but he can bring dead things back to life. Jesus cares, and he is not afraid to get his hands dirty in your life and mine. And what he's calling us to do is be part of that beautiful ministry of being a healing presence in a broken world. And it all begins with Jesus, who doesn't come as a super doctor with, you know, like some soap opera figure with a white robe and a big smile. He comes among us as a suffering Savior who tasted the sweat and the, and the blood of life. He knows what it's like to be wounded and live in this world. Isaiah 55 says that he himself was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. And people turned their back on him, and he tasted grief and loss and hurt. And then it says he was despised and rejected. And then it says he was crushed for our sins, beaten so we could be whole. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus is a wounded healer. His trip to the cross was far worse than any trip to the doctor, but he took it upon himself so that all of the sorrow and the pain and the hurt and the wounds and the sin and the sickness of all humanity for all time would also go to the grave with him and put them to death. And then he rose again so that we would have this promise one day. Listen to how the end of 
life when the kingdom is come and we're all with Jesus, all who are in Christ are with Jesus in heaven. Revelation 21 says this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. God not only comes to us in our pain and our hurt, he wants to make all things new. And one of the ways he does that then is use it all to pull us together, to be a grace-filled band of wounded healers who now are on mission together to bring that same Jesus love and compassion that touches and gets our hands dirty to bind up the wounds of the world around us. So we act like shepherds too. We care for people. We get our hands dirty and we do whatever we can because in the end, that's what the church is, wounded healers. You know, one of the places I love the most at Mountain is Celebrate Recovery. A bunch of people hang out on Friday nights and they just deal honestly and openly with each other and Jesus with their hurts and their habits and their hangups. One of them was telling me about a group of guys that were together. They had the same burden. They all um, struggle with alcohol. They spend a lot of time together in a meeting every week. They know each other well. They were having a meeting and the leader was starting out to say, does anybody have anything to share? And one of them spoke up and said, guys, I do. I was gone over the weekend. My wife decided not to go. And, and after I got up there, I took a drink and I binged for three days. And I need you to know. He'd been, uh, he'd been sober for seven years. He shared that news and he just hung his head in shame. You couldn't hear anything in the room but the clicking of the coffee pot. And then some sniffles, some sobs, a kind of bunch of knowing nods around the room. And then people started to say things to him like, thanks for sharing that, brother. You know I love you. You're going to be okay. We got you. Jesus loves you. Hey, that took a lot of courage to share. Good job. You okay? Hey, I've, I've, I've never gone longer than a year. And then they got up as they're all getting ready to leave. Pats on the back, a kiss on the neck, on the forehead, tears, sniffles. And someone says, I'm going to take you out for a nice big Dairy Queen. That's the church. That's really what the church looks like, isn't it? We're a bunch of wounded healers. We're, we're not a museum for saints. We're a hospital for the sick. And God is going to use all the pain and the junk in every one of our lives to help someone else. I love that. He doesn't waste anything. Whatever you've got going on, God, God can use that to help someone else too. Second Corinthians says this, God is merciful and as our Father, He is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Isn't that a great promise? 
We see this happening all the time. Have you ever experienced that yourself? You, you go through something or you're still going through it in life, some terrible struggle, you know, a real sorrow or hurt, maybe, maybe some crushing grief you didn't know if you're ever going to make it through or, you know, someone lost a job or it's a financial loss or your kids got sick or died or you're battling fatigue or depression, all these awful things that can happen in life. And then you discover, man, God was with me or is with me. You find some strength in the Lord. You, you realize he is my comfort. And isn't it amazing how in that very area where you had the problem is the area where God wants to use you to help someone else. The broken place in you becomes stronger and a place out of which you serve and minister. You're a wounded healer. Someone else who's going through something hard of their own needs to hear from you. Hey, you're going to make it. They need to hear from you. God is for you. He's a comfort. You have a shepherd. What area of your life has been an area where there's been some hurt, but you've been hiding it? You don't want to go let the back of your gown fly open. You don't want anyone seeing what's under there. What what kind of hurt or hang-up or wound or rough experience in life have you struggled with or still are? But you're hiding it because you think maybe it just makes you look bad or you want to put it in your past. Let me tell you something. If God showed up for you in that situation, there's someone else that needs you to help them in an area of your life is there some way that God could use you to use that area to encourage someone else this is what we're called to do and that's the kind of church we are at Mountain this is us so friends here's permission here's here's a request don't hide your hurts we're going to share them we're, we're going to show the world you know this is the kind of God we have This is my story. This is what happened to me. And I may not be proud of every detail, but I'm glad that God met me in my pain. God forgave me for my past. God is healing me in the present. And and God is using this terrible situation in my life to draw me to him. And not only has he taught me through it, not only has he grown me up through this tough experience, God is now going to use it in your life. God is with us in the pain more than any other place. So share your story. We're broken people, and we need to help other broken people. We're just beggars who found bread. Don't hog the bread. Share it with other beggars who are hungry tonight. Is there an area of your life you've been hiding that God could use to help someone else? Just ask God, who needs to learn from my pain? You know, Mountain, I guess that's the one thing I wish that everybody knew about God's people, about this church, is that You know, from the outside, I don't know what we look like, but we're not a collection of people who are pretty good, who have it all together. We're not a secret little enclave for the spiritually or morally superior stalwarts. You know what we are? We're ordinary people who've discovered that in life you get hurt and everyone ends up in the doctor's office in life. We're all broken. And the only difference is some of us have found healing and hope in Jesus. That's who we are. Not the ones who have it all together, but the ones who are honest enough to admit that we need Jesus, and he completes and fills us, helps and heals us. And we're a band of ragamuffins now who've been so touched by the grace of God that we want to be a blessing to others. We're broken people helping broken people. 
you know, all over in social media and our society today, there's a Me Too movement. And it's one way that people are stepping out of the woodwork to say, I hear you, I see you, I know what's going on, I identify with your pain. And that concept is really very similar to what Jesus has called us to be and do for each other. So the good news is that no matter how messed up you are, whatever wound you have, whatever history you have, whatever pain you're carrying, Jesus knows, Jesus cares, and Jesus can heal, and we care too. This is a place that you can belong and find some others who will say, you're messed up? Me too. You've made some horrific mistakes in your life? Me too. You've had some awful things happen to you? Me too. You've got regrets or pain or you feel stupid and insecure sometimes? You're just weird and dorky? Me too. You've experienced loss or you know what it's like to be lonely? You get scared about the future. Sometimes you don't know how to fix something you mess up as a mom or dad or husband or wife. We can feel like a royal screw-up and just have these moments of brilliance punctuated by a lot of other moments where you just say and do stupid stuff. Great. You're going to fit right in around here. This is us. Welcome aboard. Mountain Christian Church. No perfect people allowed. And there's one more important thing for us to get straight in our heads. We're not just stories of brokenness. We're stories of redemption in the making. All of us, every last one of us. Yes, we're all broken. But every one of us has a story where God wants to meet us in that pain, that problem, touch us and use us, and bring us to healing. So don't wallow in your past. Don't waste time living in self-pity. Don't try to justify stupid behavior and, and make excuses. Oh, we're all broken. It's just the way we are. I'm only human. No, no, no. Move forward by inviting Jesus into the brokenness, into the messed up places of your life so you can find healing and hope and move forward on a new path. This kid's ministry teacher in church hadn't had time to warn her class of kindergartners about the little boy who came in late to class. She hadn't had time to figure out how he lost his left arm or, or, or how he was coping with it. She just knew that it had happened over the summer and she was very nervous and afraid that one of the kids in the class would draw attention to it or say something to embarrass or even tease him about it. So she was very relieved when they got through the lesson without any difficulty. The artwork went well. He was able to draw with one hand pretty well. No problems during the snack time. He snarfed down his goldfish and gulped down his juice with no spills or anything. So she's relieved and, and relaxed. And then this teacher led the class into their little center circle for their customary closing time. And that's when she said, okay, class, let's all make our churches now. And, and she folded her hands and they all did. She said, here's the church and here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. And she froze, stopped realizing a second too late what she had just done. The very thing that she was afraid some child would do, she had done herself. And there, the one-armed boy sat with his lone hand sticking up in the air. And they all just stared for a moment in awkward silence, nobody really knowing what to do. Until the little girl, sitting next to the little boy, reached over, and placed her hand against his and said, here, let's make a church together. Friends, that's the only way you can make a real church. Two or more 
gathered in his name, all of us broken people who have found a special bond, not just with Jesus, but with each other because we're a fellowship of the wounded, broken people who are helping broken people find healing and wholeness in Jesus. Thank God for that. Give your life to helping others like that. This is us. Amen.